Uh, here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Empower Hour, where we talk all things positive. I'm really excited to give you an episode with this lovely gentleman that's sitting in front of me. He is Ian Finan, and he has a lot of strings to his bow, but mainly he's in martial arts. He has his own club called Food Dog. He's a coach at Carnegie Judo Club. And he's also the lead at the Fight and Chance Project, which is a charity that's very close to his heart. So I'm really excited to delve into the background and the story of Ian. So welcome. Thank you very much for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. Thank you. So we're going to go straight into then your, your background. So tell us more about like your martial arts and what it is that, that, that you do then on a daily basis and then what you've done competition wise. Um, so I got into martial arts very early in my life. Um, my dad started Carnegie Judo Club in 1983, so the year I was born. Um, and the, my very first memory is a very, very dingy judo club that had sweat running down the walls. Um, so, yeah, that was my kind of first thing. Like, the, thinking back, that's the, the first memory I have of being involved in martial arts and judo. Um, so it was quite natural for me to kind of attend a judo club, all being as my dad's. Um, and then just through the years, I was I was okay at football, but not great. I was okay at basketball, but not great. I was okay at volleyball, but not great. Um, but I was quite talented at, at judo very early in my 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 life, um, and I competed from a very early age in that as well. Um, the, the kind of generation that I grew up in, you were competing for your grades from the get-go. Uh, that's all changed now. Um, so very early on, I was competing in judo. I was doing judo maybe four times a week, again, just because my dad had the judo club. Um, and yeah, it's just been like a constant in my life since then. Um, from that, like I never intended to be a full-time athlete. Um, Going through school, I was I was good at it, um, competed well, but never really broke into the kind of younger year British teams or squads. Um, it was only when I reached the junior age, so that's between maybe 16 and 18, I think it was back at that time. Um, it was only at that point that I started to kind of like do well in kind of the national scene as opposed to just Scotland. Um, and then from that, I was selected for junior worlds, junior Europeans and whatnot. Um, and obviously at that age, you kind of leave school as well. So when I left school, I went to college and done sports coaching, obviously, um, because I wasn't very, I would say I wasn't very good academically. Um, if you gave me something practically to do, I could do it pretty well, but sit down, read a book, learn it and like recite it. I was never very, very good at that. So uh, naturally, I kind of drifted towards more kind of at school anyway, like the kind of more physical subjects. Um, so yeah, I've done sports coaching and at that point I kind of moved to Edinburgh for that um, and I just fell into full-time judo um, and at that point it, was a, it, was, it wasn't a conscious decision that I want to be an Olympian or I want to be like a world medalist or Olympic champion or that, just I think just ingrained in me from a very young age that it was like without even realising it was I wanted to do well at this. Um, and from there, yeah, went to the British squads was, as a senior and continued to compete in judo up until 2014. 
Um, 2012, I started to cross train with mixed martial arts. I really enjoyed that and took my first fight after a couple of months of training in mixed martial arts. And then the rest, as they say, is history. I fought like 17, 18 times, I think it is, altogether. Some wins, some losses. Um, and then opened Fudo Martial Arts in 2017. Um, and yeah, so that's been the journey. Wow. So you've basically been exercising and been in, in the martial arts all your life then. So when you were saying that you were competing from an early age, what was an early age? I'm taking it as like... Eight years old. Eight. eight. Oh my goodness. Wow. At that point, the youngest that you could compete at was eight. Um, right. What I recall anyway. Um, the, the way judo kind of works is like usually clubs will start you around about five. That's their kind of intake. Um, and then, obviously, like, to chuck you in at five years old to a competitive situation, most places won't do that. They'll give you, like, well, unless it's, like, an interclub or something like that, they'll give you, like, a good couple of years. Within that kind of three years, like, you, you're usually of a standard where you can kind of go in there and compete against people of similar standards and similar ages and weight classes as well. Um, so, yeah, eight, eight years old is, is the first kind of memory I have of competing. Wow. And that must have shaped you as a person like pretty confidently then because I imagine like being in that situation at only eight years old and then being fighting and doing all that sort of stuff it's bound, bound to have helped you build your confidence going through school or did you find that or um not really consciously I wouldn't like I've never thought of myself as like an unconfident person but I've also never thought of myself as like super confident either right. um, it's I think just being, you know, martial arts. Sorry, I've got a phone call here. Same. Um, so, yeah, where were we? Um, yeah, confidence. Oh, again. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, confidence. I never really felt as though like um, there was a conscious confidence there, if you know what I mean. Um, I think just because of the nature of martial arts where like you, especially in judo where it's physical right from the off, it's not the same as like karate or taekwondo um, where it's, it's set kind of patterns like this is going to sound really like kind of bad, but in thin air um, from the get again. Uh, yeah, so, um, and it's not to knock karate or taekwondo, like I'm a fan of all martial arts, but I think from a very early age in judo, like it's, you're kind of, you're working with a partner, it's that physical kind of interaction that you have where you're trying to throw your partner, they're trying to throw you, you're trying to hold them down, they're trying to hold you down, plus the escapes. So very early on, you get kind of really kind of aware of like your body and how it can work and how you're not really made of glass or anything like that. Um, and I think that just naturally, again, along with every other martial arts, it naturally produces a confidence in you because you can, you're aware of yourself in a way that a lot of people aren't. Even from a young age, like leading into adulthood, there's a lot of people who aren't aware of the kind of capabilities that they have as people or their body has um, at, at any particular time. So I think, yeah, in terms of confidence, like, I was confident, but I wasn't, 
I never felt like I was overconfident. Um, and in terms of competition, I think it's a great leveller. Um, you, you win some, you lose some. You know, there's very few people in a sport like judo, especially, where in a split second anything can happen. Um, you very rarely find somebody that's never lost. Um, and through those losses, you kind of gain a little bit of understanding about how you can fix things. And I think that carries over well into like just regular life as well. 100 percent because it is it's it's doing because i'll talk about with mindset principles it's the difference between like when you you fail at something failure and growth go hand in hand and if you can flip your mindset that failure is part of it and see it that in your failures that's when you actually you can pick it to pieces and that's where the growth and that's where the learning is so it's not that you failed it's just a case of that's just part of the the, the journey because it is it's never like going up the mountain and never is like straight up, you know, you have all these like curves and going round and round. So that's great that you can, that you can see that. Was there at any time, like, can you remember your first loss? Was your first loss hard? Did you always kind of have that good mindset around it? Or was that something you had to cultivate? I don't remember my first loss. Um, and I was never a very good loser. Right. I, I was well known in the kind of Scottish and UK scene of, quite regularly disagreeing with a lot of the referee's decisions <laughs> uh, and also like tell my dad to shut up <laughs> um, and probably not in those words either um, and I think just I think I'm just so competitive and I set my standards so high um, not in the sense of I always expected to win but I always expected to throw somebody <laughs> and right. you know um, so, like, if I didn't throw that person, I would get frustrated. But and it, oh, it sometimes came across as frustration at the other person, but it was almost like an internal frustration that was... I, I couldn't hide it in my face. You get some people that are really good at poker faces. I was never one of those people. Uh, so, yeah, I it was it was funny because I don't ever remember, like, my, my first loss, but I didn't take them well for a long time. And even now, I just I competed in a judo grading not long ago. I've not really competed or trained in judo properly for like a good four years. And I just decided I'm going to go do a grading. And uh, even in that, I was getting really frustrated. And I was talking to myself and it looks like I'm like talking to the other person and saying things about them, but like, it's more an internal thing. And I had to rein it in and just be like, look, this is like, you can't do this. You've got to kind of like get away from that. Like, let's reset and start again. Um, so yeah, like over the course of my life, like I've had a lot of losses and a lot of frustration through them, but you learn to kind of like self-talk and self-regulate with that sort of stuff. Um, and as, as I say, it's kind of a work in progress, even at 39 years old, I'm still kind of like trying to do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It's, it's constantly working on the mindset, because eh? just when you think you've maybe got it under control and something else will pop in and there's always that kind of, internal self-talk that sometimes we're not even aware of eh? but when we're aware of it then we can change it and you could definitely see when it wasn't serving you and then you've, you've done that self-correction and then that's allowed you to look at things in a different way so it's incredible that you've done all that thing is as well it's, it's a downward downward spiral because i mean and i'm just obviously from my, my point of view it's from a sporting background but it could be anything in life i guess and you'll know better than me being a kind of mindfulness coach and things like that. Um, but 
once you once you hit that kind of point where you see the red mist, like it's very hard to kind of claw yourself back out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people just don't have the mechanics or the tools to be able to do that. And again, like I'm still at 39 years old. I've been competing since I was eight. Um, that's a long time to try and work on that. Um, and it's only with judo that I'm really like that, believe it or not. It's never really with any of the other martial arts, or mixed martial arts or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I never really get like that. It's just judo. And I think it's because I've, I've set myself these high standards of how I'm supposed to be doing that judo, that it's it, that kind of habit of being so frustrated with myself. But it's about kind of like putting those kind of mechanisms in place to try and overcome that at some point. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And you, you said that obviously your, your dad had his gym as well when you were growing up and it's with your dad that you're doing the your Fighting Chance project, is that right? Yeah, so it's the, the actual name of it is the Fighting Chance Project Scotland. Right. Uh, so yeah, that was started in 2014. Um, and it was my dad and one of his work colleagues brought the idea together. Um, I just actually kind of fell into that idea as well. Um, and the idea behind it was uh, they wanted to give back. The, the, my dad's colleague didn't really know how to do that. Um, my dad had this idea of taking judo to like kids who couldn't normally afford it. Um, so whether it's through social, emotional, economic um, restrictions on their kind of life, um, this was kind of a way of breaking down the barriers that would stop them walking into a judo club. Mm-hmm. So I, right from the get-go, it was like, it was all about kind of using judo as a, a kind of a give back and uh, the values that go hand in hand with judo in particular, but again, all martial arts, um, the values that go along with them and kind of like, even though we teach judo, we're actually teaching all the other things that kind of are surround that. Um, and it's been pretty successful locally anyway. Um, we've worked with numerous schools. Um, we still do to this date. Um, we've worked with thousands of kids now, um, which is great. Some like have done really, really well off the back of it. Some like you just can't help everybody, unfortunately. But yeah, the Fighting Chance Project Scotland is, is it, since 2014 has done great work, I think. Obviously, highest. <laughs> back. They, they keep asking us back, so like we must be doing something right within it. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing to take, like, so obviously, would you say judo is like something that's is such a big part of your dad and yours life, and to be able to then turn it into something like that contribution and be able to give back and, and create change in youngsters' lives that might not necessarily have had the chance for to, to be able to, to learn all the, the values is absolutely incredible what you are doing. And, and that yeah. it, is there a, a, what I'll do is you can give me a link to that, that when I put the podcast out so that if people want to know more about that, then you can certainly look up and see the work that Ian and his dad and colleague are doing. Um, so it can spread the word on that absolutely and so for anybody who's not aware of like the values that that gets taught within judo because it is it's values not just for judo that, that can be transferred into life can you maybe just explain a little bit more about that for us yeah so um the 
there's seven values in judo that are kind of like they're the ones that you would see listed in a judo club we have them in our club as well um we as a club and through our kind of charity stuff um we talk about mostly respect self-control and friendship those are the kind of three big ones that we take out of that there's other ones like honor but a lot of people kind of i think that's like old japanese type stuff um but respect like every day self-control every day you can work on again it goes back to what we're talking about those little mechanisms of like not hitting that red mist during competing for me um and in friendship as well and just kind of creating an environment where like somebody's willing to talk to you or like you can go help them and things like that without even really knowing the person at that point so those would be the kind of three that we we kind of really like not push on people but it's the ones we always refer back to mm-hmm. and that's very early age in the judo club and if we're in the schools generally the kids that we work with in the schools through the fighting chance project are kids with uh, social emotional or behavioral issues and sometimes work with kids from uh, the Department of Assisted Learning. Um, so especially the behavioral kids and this, the, um, the ones with the confidence issues, like those are the ones we find that we have like real impacts on. Again, not all of them, but like a lot of them, like they, they, they do well in the situation of, of our classes, our dual classes, I think. That's incredible. To be able to teach them, because it is it's life life principles, isn't it? Through, like the judo, so it, I would imagine it help open them up as well, because yeah. it's in that kind of learning way that is more sport but transferable to life. Yeah. Do you I find think, that? Yeah. So I think um, when we go into a school, let's say, and the, it's a behavioural group, for example, we find quite quickly that um we become like a kind of positive mentor for them um just by the nature of being like quite physical in the sense that the sport is about not always being the biggest strongest person it's about like my dad will pin me down and people i'll be like oh my god like this like older man can't like the the son can't get out of the hole down type thing so quite quickly, we become like a positive, a positive role model to these kids just based off of that. And then the other thing is we're not teachers. Like we're not going to shout at them and tell them like not to swear or to stand still or sit down and be quiet. The, the whole reason for doing this is to kind of embrace all their energy, really, and try and like steer it in a positive manner. With the Fighting Chance project, we, we do this thing called the Yellow Belt Challenge, and basically we challenge the kids who enter the, the project to to get to their Yellow Belt standard of judo. Now, to them, that's, oh, yes, I've got a Yellow Belt standard of judo. But to us, it's they've learned the kind of values. They've, they've learned to be better people and treat people around them better because they've still these values from the judo and then off the back of that the, the smallest detail of it is they've learned how to do a couple of judo throws a couple of hold downs and it gives them that standard of judo mm-hmm. um, certificate off that but it's underlying values that we're really teaching people within mm-hmm. the situation that's amazing and then i would imagine like their self-esteem would go up as well the fact that they've actually like achieved something so that 
do you know, and that'll have a knock-on effect as well on on how they're showing showing up. Yeah, I mean, we think like with the kind of kids that have more behavioural issues, we find that like that's it's a big part of it. But more so, the kids who have real low self confidence, um, and a lot of that is kind of we see a big change in them. I don't I don't know if their family would see a massive change in them, but when from day one when they walk into Yellow Belt, we see a massive difference in them, and it's just how they interact with us, how they interact with the other people on the mat how they go up, instead of like standing at the side really meek and not getting involved in warm-ups, they'll be the first ones on the mat and kind of rolling about, even before we start the class coming in and getting the crash mats down and forward rolls, backward rolls, you know, all the kind of like silly wee skills that we teach. Um, but even that's a massive success. And if we can get somebody to come back like two, three, four weeks, and then that leads into like a couple of months doing judo and then like a couple of years doing judo or whatever else, like we've done pretty well. We've actually got a kid, I say a kid, he's now an adult, um, who started in, in one of the schools with us doing judo. He's now coming to my MMA club. Amazing. And, um, and actually, we never seen him for a couple of years because just, well, we, because of COVID, actually, I believe, because uh, we dropped out of the schools. And then he started to come along to the, the club just randomly, and he's now sticking at the MMA as opposed to the judo. But it's it, the, there that's had an impact on his life because he knows who we are. He's into a, a gym rather than us walking into a school. Um, so that was like quite good to see. That's massive. And that, that must give you like such a, a good feeling on, on the reward front to see like the changes of, of, of the energy that, that you're putting into all these kids and then and the seeing it at the other end. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's nice to give back. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing to give back. Yeah. And what you won't see and is then the, the ripple effect of, so you'll see it with the kids that you're working with and then you've obviously seen it with that, that um, older kid that's then came back to you in adult life, but it's the ripple effect of whose lives that they've touched in a different yeah. way because of who, who they then show up to be. It's just absolutely amazing. I just absolutely love it. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very reward. It's hard work. I'm sure. Hard challenges there. Um, mm learn pretty fast um, just because of the nature of the kids that we were dealing with like they had so many different for being involved that like if a kid walks into a judo club you kind of tend to think that they want to be there but for us to go into a school environment where we've got like 10 kids thrown in a class with us we don't know who they are we don't know what their issues are we maybe get told by the teachers but within that class there could be like three or four different dynamics that don't work together and our challenge is to kind of get around all that and create small teams. I used to say to the kids, I was like, like, because they would argue every now and again. And I used to say to them, I was like, you are now a team. Like, you're, like if you were to go join a football team, that's your team. You're like, you don't fight with your teammates. I was like, you're now, because you're on the mat together, you're now part of this team. And that's how, you, like, the kind of relationships start to get built. And then you see them self-policing each other. So if somebody's stepping out of line, like, we don't have to do the work anymore. Like someday within the class will go like Barry, like sit down and listen or whatever it is. Um, so it's quite rewarding in that sense. And once you get to that stage, it's real easy. Um, but initially, um, like it's a hard slog and it's a hard task, but it's rewarding at the end. Mm-hmm. And see, I, I just I want to just mention that like see although we're talking about fighting chance through uh, food dog martial arts, it's kind of carried over, so it's not fighting chance project scotland that's kind of doing the work it's more myself with food dog mm-hmm. 
um, one of the schools down in Rosyth, they bring their kids up um, to do martial arts um, once a week with me. And then uh, we're also working with a group from Fife Council called, uh, it's called Turn Men's Group. Um, and they've got similar principles to us. Um, it's about kind of promoting education, um, creating better people so that like they can go into society um, and kind of like go into employment, volunteering. Um, it's about further educating them to kind of be better within their community. So although we're talking about fighting chance, it's carried over into dog martial arts as well and working with these groups. Wow. So you're doing an awful lot for, for charity and, and giving back and what do yeah. you do for you? <laughs> I, well, I mean, it's a charity, but I get paid for it. Okay. That's That's it. The charity is not my time being given to them. Right. The charity is the kids don't have the, the cost of anything. Mm -hmm. Like We changed the model based off of like trying to build evidence as to why it would work. Mm -hmm. uh, the evidence is there through any martial art. It doesn't just have to be judo. Um, we're using judo because it's what we kind of do more than anything else. But the charity itself, like we, we get paid through funding that's given to the schools. Um, so that is my job. Okay. But the, the charity arm of my job is giving back to the kids, teaching them instilling the values in them and um, just trying to help them be better people. Mm. Um, but in answer to your question, what do I do for me? I, um, I well, I train at the gym. I train at food, all martial arts with my guys. Like that's, I do my job because I love doing my job. I, um, and then also I spend a lot of time with my wee girl as well. Um, like can't really buy those moments. So I spend as much time with her as I can. How old is she? She's just turned two the other day. Oh. I rock it. She's brilliant. <laughs> Have you been showing her wee takedowns? <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, she did, at Carnegie Judo Club has never, ever done, like, top classes. Um, mm -hmm. So we talk class two to four. She's in that. Really? She, yeah, she's been doing it since she was about one and a half. So, like, she's actually, like, been involved in the club as well straight away. She can't, like, she's, she's brilliant. Yeah, she keeps me and my, her mum on her, her toes. Um, so yeah, we're already trying to like build the values of that into her already. <laughs> but how awesome though! To... Life easier in fifteen years or so. But the thing is, all our conditioning of, like, especially like all our limiting beliefs, it all comes from like when we're we're kids and and how we view and see the world. And for you to be able to install that into your daughter at such a young age, and then what your dad's done for you is just phenomenal. Because it, it shapes who you are as a human being as you, as you start to get older. I think it really does. Um, like, both me and my sister have turned out to be really quite good people. Um, and you know yourself, like, it's just all it takes is to, like, one thing, two things to kind of take you off that kind of track. And it's not necessarily a conscious decision either. We were very lucky that we had very supporting parents um, and still do to this day. Um, Hence why me and my dad worked together. Mm. And we were very lucky that we we had the judo behind us as well. Off the back of that, we got to see the world for nothing. Like we were traveling the world, competing, having fun, making friends in other countries, you know. So our views of the world were kind of really wide open at, 
very early ages. And I think that's really helped. Um, sometimes people get caught up in like just their own little world rather than kind of seeing the bigger picture. Um, so I think we've been quite lucky. And the fact that we're able to kind of do that for our kids as well is like, it's great. During lockdown, the only thing that, because Charlotte's a, a COVID baby. Right. So, so during lockdown, there was nothing open apart from my gym for her. Right. Like, went and bought soft play, bought a big speaker, chucked them in the gym, let her have at it. <laughs> wow. So we've been quite lucky in that sense as well, that we weren't isolated to four rooms of a house. And how great for you, just go, right, I've got this here, like, like how, how can we make this um, better for her, like a giant playground? <laughs> right, and that talks classes, oh my God, it's a hard half hour. <laughs> <laughs> you exhausted after it. Uh, like, so we've got like five hours worth of coaching after that, and after that one session, I'm like, I need a coffee and a very good <laughs> <laughs> Doing a lot of the work, it just... It's brilliant. It's, it's great to see. But even that, it's not about like teaching them judo. It's about just getting them used to an environment. It's about, um, oh, there's somebody else calling me. You're a very popular man tonight. That's my dad. He knows that he's here looking after Charlotte and he knows. <laughs> well. So, yeah, the, the talks class is, is about getting them into the judo club to be kind of aware of it. Again, like it's not easy to walk into a judo club at five years old and there's 20 other kids on the mat and you, you don't know what you're doing and they're all graded and things. So it's about teach, like getting them used to the environment. It's not teaching judo, it's teaching fundamental movements. Um, we use this thing called better movers and thinkers quite a lot of the time. And it's learned by play. It really is. It's learned by play. So we'll maybe get them doing some type of judo movement, but like they don't even know they're doing Um and getting them to do like animal crawls and just have a bit of fun the music's on in the background and their parents are getting involved their parents are throwing them over their hip and things it's it's a really good class and like i say it's it's a hard half hour but it's just because of two to four year olds because <laughs> they're wired to the moon <laughs> uh, the parents are just like oh my god like this is why am i doing this <laughs> <laughs> but what great bonding for like the the relationship between the the parent and and the 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 child yeah. like for to be able to kind of do that together and just be free and be playful and have the space to do that yeah it's also not strict like i've taken charlotte to some classes and it's like you must sit here you must do this and it's like they're, they're two years old like if they don't want to do the exercise they're soft play they'll let them go play they're still learning at the end of the day mm -hmm. uh, still learning how to climb or crawl or whatever it is um, so it's not, it's a very, very kind of like open situation where I will say this is what we're going to do. But again, like it's the kid's choice at that point if they want to do it. And nine times out of 10, because they have the choice to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's one of my favorite classes, but one of the most stressful classes. All <laughs> the earliest one in the day, it's just like, oh my God, I've just woken up. And it, <laughs> Coffee, and then after that, you're sound like you're just flying for the rest of the day. So, and it's great that I can involve Charlotte and Kaylee's. Uh, Charlotte's mum gets involved. Kaylee, she she takes her around, so it's not me doing it. It's Kaylee's mum. Sorry, it's Kaylee, Charlotte's mum doing it. Mm -hmm. oh, what a fantastic environment that you're creating for your own family, and then the, the greater family, everybody's life that you're touching through what it is that you're doing. 
we do try. I think also that, like, obviously, I think a lot of people, especially with mixed martial arts, people have an idea of what mixed martial arts is. Um, my mum thought it was me fighting in a chicken wire cage with no gloves on for about five years. And it's wow. really, um, it's, a, it's a sanctioned sport with rules. But then off the back of that, because of like how it was maybe 15, 20 years ago, where it was just like thugs going in and having a scrap. Now, it, because of the kind of values that have been instilled by all these different martial arts, it's grown into something different. Um, and because we had the judo environment anyway with all those, as soon as we opened our, our doors to the to food dog and like the mixed martial arts section of it, the values were already instilled in, in the gym. So very quickly, people fell in line with that. If, even if it wasn't normal to them to kind of be like that, they've fallen. And we actually had our, our fifth kind of birthday this year for the, the, the gym. And uh, we had a night out the other day and most of the people were there were day oneers. So people who had come like the first kind of sessions, couple of sessions, first month at least, were all still there. That's amazing. So I think even that's a, a statement in the sense that we do try and create an atmosphere where everybody's included. Um, and we're a small gym, you know what I mean? Like there's nobody lost in the crowd. Sometimes you can go into like bigger clubs and like you kind of get lost in the numbers. Whereas like I try and make a point of every session getting round. And I think that's also been instilled in me by some of the coaches that I've had as well. Like they, they make a point of making sure everybody's comfortable in the situation and they're learning. And if they don't know what they're doing, they, they're confident enough to ask questions, even if it's their first day. That's amazing. So you're creating that safe environment. And it's also an environment that people are wanting to be a part of so much so that they're, they're still there five years later. And it's massive testimony of what you're doing, Ian. Huge. Well, we're, we're a community gym. Like we, we're not, I mean, the small minor like there's a minute amount of people that walk through our door that want to compete 95 percent of people that are there want to be there to learn and just be part of a team be part of the environment um and it is a community gym we open our doors to the community we work with the local schools we work with fife council like the turn men's group and um, we work with like other schools that are kind of like dealing with like behavioral kids and um, so we work with all these it's almost like an outreach program but brought to us um and in that sense like we we kind of pride ourselves on on what we do with that and the impact that we can have i say we me and my dad mostly and like one of a, a few of the other coaches um but it's me and my dad doing the fighting chance and me doing the food dog stuff. It's, it's, it's rewarding and it's good that we can give back and that we're in a position where we can do that. And it's not all about like the scrap at the end in a, like on a fight show. Mm -hmm. Really, that's the smallest part of it. I'm sure anybody listening to this, if that's what they had the concept or idea in their head of what they thought it was at the beginning, certainly won't by the end of speaking to you it's definitely opened up my eyes in a, a big way I do know that when I first met you you know I said that to Raymond this is you've got beautiful energy you've got a really really nice energy about you and and that's coming across even in the the podcast you know you can tell that you're a giver um oh well I, I don't know sometimes <laughs> I, I don't compliments very well I can see that. I can see that like, nervous when people are like Especially in these situations, eh? Like where, like, mm -hmm. one, and it's like, oh, you're really nice. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a giver. Uh, 
but it's it's nice to get recognized though for for the things that you're doing and and it's one of the things that I teach my clients a lot of is because we are we're, we're very given and we can give to other people but sometimes we're not very good at receiving and it's recognized being able to sit and recognize all the things that we are doing doing well and like all our little wins and like it's good to actually take stock of that and actually take it in and receive it because we deserve it yeah I think as well like see because of the, the level that I used to compete at, it's a very selfish world. You have to be selfish in the sense that you've got to kind of look after number one. You've got to do the things that are going to try and get you to the level of competition that you want to do. You sacrifice things, you sacrifice relationships and whatnot. Um, so it's a very selfish world. Like you're very kind of like self-oriented. Um, everything that you do is about like kind of getting the best kind of performance out of you. Um, whether it be in training or in competition. Um, I still struggle with, like, not being like that. Um, uh, it's I'm bit getting better at it, but it's still quite hard to get out of that selfish mindset that everything's about me. It's changed a lot since I've had my wee girl. And, but if you were to ask Kayleigh, there'd be times, like, where I'm, I'm a pain in her backside, for lack of a better word because like it's just in my nature and it has been for so long and it's things that I need to work on so like you know yourself like there's always something that you can work on to make yourself a better person and like quite often like it's hard to hear that and it's hard to think of yourself that because everybody thinks like they're perfect really deep down they do or most people do but you've got to realize that you can always do better and mm. if you kind of seek out people to help you be better or seek out kind of vehicles that are going to help you be better whether it be sport or whether it be reading a book or talking to somebody like yourself like then like it's all about growth like you say mm-hmm. and it's good that you can see because because the thing is that I always say that there's there's good and bad and everything and while that served you to be like so um focused on yourself like if you hadn't been focused on yourself you wouldn't have been able to achieve those big goals that you've achieved and it's, it's recognising that whenever we have these uh, parts of our personality, there's good parts where it serves us and then other times maybe that it doesn't serve us. And one of the things, like the fact that you're able to do that is great because a lot of the things that I work on with uh, clients is the fact is they don't do anything for themselves. And it's realising that when we do fill our own cups first, then we can give so much more because we've actually taken care of our, our needs. Um, so it, but it's just finding the balance, as with everything. Yeah definitely i think like it's it's something that like i need to work on anyways like try to not like i'm not like not badly but there's there's definitely things that i need to work on and and things like that and it goes across my whole life but as long as you know that you like they need worked on or there's things that you can do i think yeah absolutely like you're off to a winner straight away on that if you kind of sit there and go no 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 i don't need to do this or I'm not doing that or because it sounds silly or whatever else, then you're just kind of shutting off your mentality and you know, putting the blinkers on. Um, you only kind of see straight forward if you do that until you kind of, like, so, yeah. 100%. There's a book called uh, Carol Dweck that's called um, Growth Mindset, and she talks about the two different um, types of mindset you can have, whether you're either in a state of growth or whether you're fixed and you're not seeing anything. But people don't realise if they're fixed, then it keeps them stuck and they're not growing and expanding. So, 
you're a man after my own heart. <laughs> oh, I, I find myself like quite often being stuck in that. Yeah, like, and it's just sometimes you just end up getting into your own head, and you don't really realise it's happening. It goes back to that downward spiral that we were talking about. Um, and like, if you, I think I know, I, I understand it more now because my mum and the nature of her work with CBT, mm-hmm. um, I can have a better understanding of it. But it's still like a very, I'm like early on that learning curve of it. Like, I could definitely do more to kind of. Um, get the information and knowledge that would help me personally and help me help other people mm-hmm. absolutely it's like you say we've, we've all got different things that we can work on and there's always ways that because it's not that there's anything wrong with us the way that we are just now no okay like it, it's just a case of yep yeah, it's like how can we get better and that's it's it's we're either in a state of growth or the state of decay so the fact that if we're looking for ways to constantly get better then that's what we're we're here for sure so is there anything that you would like to add before we we round up and let you get back to your beautiful daughter um no i think like thank you for having me and thank you for having the chat and i hope it's uh, everybody likes it <laughs> i really appreciate it Ian, and i'm sure there was loads of nuggets in there and i thank you for your honesty and authenticity it was absolutely brilliant because people don't always see the journey they just no. they just see the success and it's easy for people to sit at home and go well i can't do that but they don't realize that it's, it's a process and all you have to do is just get started and then let the right people start to come into your life that, that you need for to get that goal you just have to decide what the goal is and then go for it yeah, I think, um, like, there's a saying in martial arts, you win or learn. And I think that kind of almost, like, crosses over into real life as well. You're either winning or you're learning. And it's a very small saying, and it's quite a popular saying in martial arts now. Um, and if you can carry that into your own life and kind of outside of any sport or even if it's your job or things like that, then it's a very small statement that can kind of flip your, your mindset on its head. Um, and to be honest, like for me personally, like I've had in a sporting context more losses than wins, um, especially from judo. It's just the nature of the beast in that. And you do, you like it sounds cliche, but you do win or learn. And it's the only way that like you can kind of change to make yourself better is focusing on like the losses and kind of working out where it went wrong and what you could have done to make it better. Or, done to kind of like change the outcome that you kind of get that growth from mm-hmm. it might be small in words but very huge in impact yeah that's absolutely massive and it's and it's those little changes that we make in our perception on how we see things that allow us to expand and grow so i love that i'm going to steal that <laughs> I, I, lost, I lost you there sorry what did you say it's not mine either i stole it <laughs> Perfect. Well, I've used that for in the introduction. So thank you again, Ian. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us. And I'm sure that there'll be many other people be impacted from what you said. And it's great to get all the news out of the, the charities and all the good work that you're doing. So thank you again, Ian. I really appreciate it. Yes.